Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for it. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of If Memory Serves here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. My name is Taylor and with me as he is every month when we wander back through the hazy halcyon uh, halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and 90s. He's, well, this month he's the C's candy to my Russell Stover. It's my brother Seb. Seb, how's it going? It's going great. How you doing tonight? Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, folks, this is, this is take two. We got pretty far yeah. into a recording of this last night and my computer crashed. And so we are Aww. trying again. <laughs> and then after a rough night's sleep, uh, amongst the family, um, I am good, but I am tired. I'm glad it's February, and I am excited for uh, Gallifrey One in two weeks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're going to the Doctor Who convention. That's correct. Very, very cool. Yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, um, you get a couple panels. Yeah, I am. I'm going to be on a couple discussion panels uh, at that event, both happening on Friday. Um, so if you don't normally listen to the Doctor Who podcast that I'm on, Podcastica, um, definitely check that out because we will be recording um, each day that we are there, just kind of recapping the events of the day. And that's always a fun uh, few episodes to check out. Uh, oh, how are you doing? Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. How are you doing up there? I'm doing pretty great. Um, the, the latest big news up here is that I saw the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile in person for the very first time about a week ago. Nice. Um, I know. I was walking home from work, and it drove right past me, totally unexpected. It was amazing. Um, and it ended up being at a local grocery store that weekend in my hometown, or not my hometown, but the town I live in, Sacramento. Um Got to go see it, got to go inside and look around. Um, it was really cool. There's a sunroof in the ceiling of the Wienermobile, but they don't call it a sunroof. They call it the bun roof. It oh was boy. amazing. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I got a whole bunch of stickers and fun stuff, and it was all around a really good time. So. Neat. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think I have ever seen the Wienermobile uh, in person before myself. It's a pretty big wiener. It is it now? <laughs> it's huge. Oh, boy. Uh, but, uh, watch out yeah. for those huge wieners. Right, right. Uh, well, um, but Should yeah, we... so. <laughs> I think we're getting a little bit of lag tonight uh, with Seb's connection. Uh -oh. So if we sound a little funny, bear with us. But let's take a look at what's been happening. Previously on. Previously on. Previously on. If memory serves. Um, now I've been kind of, um, I don't know, fixated on our, on our surf culture episode. Um, one of the things I talked about in that episode was, uh, my love of a particular, uh, surf movie called Ozone. And, um, I have over time, you know, collected the VHS. I've got the soundtrack on cassette. Um, I've got it on CD and it turns out that there was a poster for it that I had missed out on on eBay a while ago and I really should have just popped on it and I didn't. <clears throat> uh, 
But in terms of um, actually doing a little bit of research, I, I've actually I've reached out to some of the people who have worked on this film. I've even reached out to O'Neill uh, at their headquarters in Santa Cruz. Uh, just so happened that the day I was talking to someone from O'Neill, I just happened to look on eBay and there was another poster. Nice score. Yeah. And, and, I, uh, and you picked it up. I did. I did. <clears throat> I didn't wait i didn't have any second guesses i hit the buy it now button and had no regrets that's awesome how much did you have to give for it um it wasn't too bad i think with shipping and everything it only ended up being about 25 bucks score that's awesome man i'm really happy for you yeah i'm 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 over the moon i mean it seems like a silly thing to get no uh, excited about but um yeah just just to have like I've got like this like matching set of stuff. It seems so silly, but yeah, I'm very That's excited. That's really cool. Yeah. Now, did you have a copy of the movie poster when we were kids no. as well? Or? No, oh, I, didn't. I, okay. didn't, I didn't know that one existed until that very first one that I saw oh, on, wow. on eBay. Yeah. Didn't even know that there was one. That's really cool, man. I'm so happy for you. I love yeah. it when we find something great from our childhood on eBay. Um, maybe two months ago, I managed to purchase a... Uh, uh, a postcard of our uh, childhood toy store growing up, Kitty World, yeah, which I'm right, sure we'll right. probably do an episode. We talked about in previous episodes, and mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about more coming up. But uh, that kind of rem- reminds me of when you go uh, this poster that you picked up. You know what I mean? So, oh, definitely, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Well, I tell you what, let's take a look and see what is going on in the news. And ABC News Break brought to you by Budweiser Beer. Stay with us. The late edition is next. So January saw the um, Consumer Electronics Show happen down in Las Vegas. And um, amongst all the newness going on in the world, uh, a company called uh, RetroChamp is later this year going to be releasing a handheld console that plays not just the original Nintendo cartridges, but also the old Famicom cartridges it it literally has dual inputs that's amazing so basically it's a modern handheld video game device that you can insert the actual uh nintendo video game cartridges from the 80s and 90s into it right if i'm understanding correctly that's amazing man yeah that's exactly right um it it they say it's going to come out in june of this year it's going to have a sticker of uh 80 bucks on it which i seems pretty reasonable Mm-hmm. Um, looking at pictures of it being held, it's it's almost kind of like holding like an oversized like ten inch tablet. Okay, okay. Um, the graphics look really good. I mean, the color looks really good. And they they claim that it's got thirty five hours of battery life. Now we'll see if that actually pans out uh, when somebody's sitting there playing Legend of Zelda or Contra for thirty five hours. Right. I I would be really fascinated to see what would happen if you had one of these devices. And you plugged uh, an NES cartridge into it using one of those old game genies that allowed you to like have infinite lives and whatnot. You know? Right? Yeah, that'd be I'd pretty be very, cool. I'd be curious to see if that works or not. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, um, so, by all means, check out um, our show notes. We'll have links to all these stories, and you can see what they're talking about there. Awesome. Um, this next one, I'm really excited about because one of the things that I lamented in our video game episode was that I can't play duck hunt. No one can play duck hunt on a modern TV, right? It has something 
to do with the lights or the it's the, the way flicker that, rate. Um, the flicker rate. That's right. Right. Yeah. Um, but a company called Hyperkin has created the Hyper Blaster HD that will allow the their light gun. Uh, which looks very much like the original Nintendo light gun, obviously <laughs> some differences because, hey, copyright, um, to work with your, it has to be the original Nintendo system, but you can play it on a modern TV. So all your duck hunts, your Hogan's alleys, you'll be able to use them again. And I am so on board with this idea. That's going to be pretty cool. I must imagine duck hunt. Of course, you still have, as our faithful listeners know from listening to our uh, video game episode, um, our original childhood NES and collection of cartridges at your yeah. place. And I, I've got to imagine that Duck Hunt, of all the titles, is the one that probably you haven't been able to play since our childhood. Um, Pretty much, of, yeah. 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 Totally. Oh, that's going to be really exciting. Yeah. And they, they don't have a release date for it yet. They don't have a price tag for it yet. But I guarantee you that when it does come out, that is one of those things that is going to go on my list and be like, okay, birthday's coming up or whatever. I really want this. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Now, here's one that you're going to be pretty excited about, too. Mm. Netflix is going to bring back Unsolved Mysteries. That is amazing. That's big news. And that's some, that's um, actually news I've heard about before we put the show notes together, it's such big news, at least in the circles I run in. Um, mm. Totally intrigued, really interested to find out who the host is going to be, really yeah. interested to learn if they're going to try to use the original theme song music or new theme song music. Um, and I think you heard something about um, basically what the uh, the kind of the, 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 the formula is going to be in the sense that it's going to... Uh, try to recapture some of the uh the types of mysteries examined uh, by robert stack back in the 80s and 90s it sounds like yeah it definitely sounds like they're they're gonna keep with that <laughs> mixture of true crime and uh paranormal stuff that's great because i'll be the i mean it almost like the later seasons of the original unsolved mysteries it seemed like they did less and less of the paranormal and it became just like a clone of america's most wanted mm-hmm which, hey, you know, nothing against America's Most Wanted, but that's what you want to watch. Watch that. Don't watch Unsolved Mysteries. I want my Bigfoots and Loch Ness Monsters and Little Aliens and stuff mixed in with, you know, Unsolved Murders and whatnot, you know? Yeah, so exactly. Uh, yeah, this is going to be great. Now, I, of course, I, I think I'm the only person that I know that doesn't actually have a subscription to Netflix and never has had one. Possibly. Um, this this might be the thing that pushes me over the edge. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, so stay, stay tuned, folks. Um, yeah. <laughs> we may we may soon be reporting that that seb has finally gotten himself a netflix <laughs> yeah. account right right um so talking about interesting other stuff that's kind of coming back um there is going to be coming out in july of 2020 um a new ghostbusters film set in the original universe of the 1984 and 1989 films Wow, this is really pretty big news. Now, did you see the um, reboot from two or three years ago that they did? You know what? I've got it DVR'd, and mm-hmm. I've watched like a few minutes of it when it was airing, um, uh-huh. but I haven't had time to just go back and sit down and watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really good. It was really funny. It made me laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I it, it didn't feel like a Ghostbusters movie, if that makes any sense. I just okay. kind of wish that movie was its own movie, but it just wasn't called Ghostbusters. Um, it, I don't know. I, I'm trying to say that I liked it, but I didn't like it. You know, I know that movie became so political, but um, there I'm was really a gonna, lot of yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm really excited to see what this new movie is going to be like. Um, of course, the reboot from two or three years ago. It seems to me that like the only I mean, Rick Moranis didn't come back. It seemed like everybody else had a cameo in that movie that was still alive almost, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and apparently Rick Moranis didn't want to have anything to do with it. So maybe, you know, I would love to see him step back into the shoes of the character Lewis Tully um, if he would be willing and able to do it. I think that would be, uh, for me, that would be the thing that would make this Ghostbusters movie just, you know, automatically a win-win, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I got gotcha. That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens because it, 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 it is as i understand it supposed to take place in modern day it will be 2019 or well, 2020 right uh in that movie but still from that universe so the ghostbusters will have been around for over 30 years at that point yeah totally and i'll be very curious to find out what what has become of them kind of thing yeah yeah oh stay tuned yeah yeah pretty much and again speaking of um you know movies that are getting a a long awaited uh what threequel can we can uh, we say that threequel <laughs> sure um it it sounds like now i'm gonna say put some salt on this one before you consume okay. it but it, it sounds like bill and ted face the music could possibly see a christmas 2019 release Woo! <laughs> this is really exciting this is big stuff um I mean, geez, who loved Bill and Ted more than us? I don't know if anybody did. Um, and this is going to be really amazing to see what they've been up to for the past 30 years, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah. Um, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're not going to have a George Carlin again as Rufus. I know. Uh, rest of his soul. Seriously. Uh, but uh Yeah. I think this might be pretty interesting. Um, I know. I'm. I'm kind of. I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm. I've got a little bit of trepidation because it was kind of like just you know a, a comment being made at at you know an event for a different movie. This wasn't like an official press release or anything. So yeah, I'm kind of like I want to wait for something more official to come out. Can you imagine when that first like trailer drops? Oh, geez, yeah. Oh my That's god, gonna I'm be... gonna lose my mind. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of in a holding pattern. I'm kind of waiting for like a proof of life kind of situation, you know, yeah, just so we exactly. know it's like real deal, you know? Oh uh, yeah. That's exactly. going to be pretty neat. I know. Right. Uh, well, hmm. I tell you what, this time on, if memory serves, we are revisiting our celebrity childhood crushes, our part due. Right. This is this is pretty big. I mean, this is basically the first episode we've done that's almost like a sequel to one that we've already done in the past. So that's right. That's are, kind are of we, are we going to suffer from yeah. a sophomore slump or I don't know? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. No, I'll, yeah, I'll um, tell you this much. I, I, I think once we get through this, I don't think there's going to be a third version of this. I think next February, if we're going to yeah. have something else, I'm pretty tapped out. I've been scraping the bottom of the barrel. No offense to these lovely ladies that we're going to be talking about in honor of Valentine's Day tonight, but I, I, I'm right there with you. I totally agree. Um, so we're going to make a count, folks. We're going to 
We're going to bear our souls and our hearts to you tonight. Uh, no hold bars. We're going to uh, dive deep into the uh, memories and emotions of uh, two Californians and their adolescent crushes on celebrity icons from film, television, music, all sorts of different media. So yep. this is going to be fun. <laughs> all right. So now uh, we both have 10 choices, it looks like. Yep. And um, would you would you like the honors of starting off? Uh, sure, sure. All right. Okay. So, um, if you had listened to our, uh, last Valentine's day episode, we, we got to a point where I was kind of like, you know what? We've been talking for quite a while. I'm going to save this small handful for next year. Um, and so this is where we're picking up with that. And my first one is, uh, actress Martha Plimpton from Goonies. Wow. This is amazing. Um, now, of course, everybody that's listening to this podcast, I'm sure, is very familiar and has seen the Goonies film at least once, if not more times, a cult classic, Richard Donner. Yep. Um, little kids looking for pirate treasure. Now, Martha Plimpton, she was one of the two female uh, Goonies, along with Carrie Green. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a really interesting choice that you picked, because Carrie was sort of like the quote-unquote prettier of the two, and Martha was more the tomboy, it sounds like. Well, uh, it's, I mean, I... I I, I'm kind of attracted to tomboys. Okay. Honestly. Um, I mean, not necessarily in every case, in every instance, but I think on the whole, you know, even if you look back over some of my choices from last year, I mean, Punky Brewster, um, mm -hmm. you know, total tomboy types. I mean, I honestly, even my wife, when I met her, a little bit of a tomboy. Okay. Know? She's okay. not afraid to get scrappy. She's not afraid to, you know, uh, use her hands and work on stuff. It's, I guess it's a type I have. Now, it's really interesting. I never knew before, you know, doing research for tonight's episode, she's actually a Carradine. Her father is a Carradine. I think really? Keith Carradine of the okay. Carradine famous acting dynasties. So yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of no interesting. Idea. Now, I, I'm not sure how, how recently you've last seen The Goonies or how well you remember it. But Ooh. for me, it's really kind of a trip because... If you remember the very beginning of the movie, we all kind of get introduced to all of the different characters. Mm -hmm. And the very first time we see Martha Plimpton in The Goonies, she's doing something really strange that even to this day I can't understand. Oh, there's boy, apparently like there's a huge it almost looks like a hot tub and she's has, she has her head dunked in it like she's dunking for apples. Huh. And then she pulls her head out and she she's holding a crab and like, like in I her mouth or in her no, hand? Like, like, like in her hand. And okay. I can't understand. Was she like looking for a crab in a hot tub or is she holding or is she trying to figure out how long she can hold her breath? Is it a suicide attempt? I don't know. Folks, <laughs> if, if anybody listening <laughs> out there knows the Goonies, knows the scene I'm talking about, very beginning of the movie, Martha Plimpton, what's going on with the crab in the hot tub? Please I... let us know. Let us know on iTunes or let us know on Twitter. <laughs> uh, let us know on Tinder, whatever. I don't care. Um, but anyway, I digress. Fair. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. I don't remember that scene at all. And it has been a very long time since I've seen Goonies, although it was on uh, like Turner Classic Movies or something. What's it? Wait, it's never yeah, been well, on Turner no, Classic no, Movies. No, no, not. Um, uh, what's the other one I'm thinking <laughs> of? IFC. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, the I independent can see film it being on IFC. Oh, I would love it to see it on Turner Classic Movies. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, that's that's the uh, thing now. We're, we're, we're old enough that, you know, these are classics. Man, I would dig up Robert Osborne for that intro. Oh, my goodness gracious. Right. Wow. <laughs> Great right. choice, though. Coming out, of the, coming out of the gate pretty strong there on that one. I, I try yeah. to. I try Thanks. to. What's your first? 
All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my first celebrity crush uh, for the uh, 2019 Valentine's Day episode is Mary Ann Summers, a.k.a. Don Wells from Gilligan's Island. Very nice. Gotta love me some Mary Ann. A classic character from a classic television staple. Um, of course, Marianne, the girl next door, the girl that would bake you a coconut pie on a, on a marooned, a shipwrecked island. Now, um, now, but now, wait a sec, Seb. This this is an 80s and 90s podcast. Um, Gilligan's Island came out in the 60s. Why is she on the list? This is true. Um, well, it's because you and I were children of TV syndication and reruns. Um, That's right, we were. <laughs> I, I'm guessing probably Turner Broadcasting System maybe is where we watched a lot of, or Nick at Night maybe? Um, probably a mix of both. I mean, I, I'm yeah, pretty you... sure Nick at Night had it on. I know for sure TBS mm-hmm. would air like blocks of Gilligan's Island. Yeah, totally. Um, so yes, that that is definitely where a lot of this, and we were raised by folks who loved this stuff from the 60s. And so we, we saw stuff like this. We saw stuff like Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In and the donna reed show and and so our 80s and 90s did have a lot of 50s and 60s in it that's for sure and i know ginger played by tina louise is sort of like supposed to be like the super pretty person on the island um but you know i just really had a thing for marianne i don't know you know no i totally Uh, get it i think a lot of people did do you have any childhood memories of gilligan's island oh gosh plenty um you know um I don't even know where to start. There's so many. I mean, uh, giant spider for some reason, giant spider comes to mind. Giant spider, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> gosh, I, I, I was... remember there was like, wasn't there like a TV movie where like the Harlem Globetrotters yep. like yep. crash landed on the island and they yep. all hung out or something like that. Yeah. There was definitely that. Yeah. Um, all sorts of stuff. I mean, yeah, especially, I mean, especially I think in the later years of this series, Mm-hmm. They started. You'd start getting some of the crazier uh, storylines, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it you know it was a great show all around. Um, I mean, uh, it was sad to see them kind of stuck on that island, uh, but um, you know I'm glad that they. Uh, I'm glad they made the best of it. You know, <laughs> clearly they did, and they had uh, <laughs> no problem. Uh, surprisingly, staying very well washed and everything for being out on a. <laughs> deserted island totally uh wow now so who's your who's your number two pick uh my number two pick uh came along when i was doing the initial research for our first episode of this last year um because i was just i was trying to jog my memory i was going through a bunch of lists of actresses from the 80s and stuff trying to remember um any of them i I guess i was having a bit of a brain fart uh month when we were prepping these show notes um but up popped a an actress uh from a movie that i remember us renting from like curtis mathis a few times um the actress is christy mcnichol um and specifically from a kind of pirates of penzance um parody homage i'm not sure quite sure what to call it romantic musical comedy called the pirate movie okay (laughs) um and and i think you don't really have much memory of this i have uh no offense to christy or yourself but i have zero memory of any sort of childhood viewing of a gilbert and sullivan musical comedy parody homage film but you know what 
Um, <laughs> I hope to change that. You know, um, hopefully it'll. You know, maybe it's on YouTube or something like that. I can take a look at it. Oh, maybe um, yeah. Um, I mean, from what little, I mean, I took a look at a picture of her. I mean, she is a very, she is a very beautiful actress. Um, apparently, according to my little Wikipedia research, she unfortunately was nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award as Worst Actress for this film. Ah, uh, um, you know, so, everybody's tastes but, are different. I mean, come on. Yeah, nobody's perfect. <laughs> I mean, at least if you're going to do something bad, you're going to be the best at it and get nominated for being bad, I guess. There you go, right? Yeah. Right. So, but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of curly blonde hair. It seemed like when lot, I googled a lot of curly blonde thing. hair and typical pirate esque outfits, which are you know floofy and off the shoulder, and there's probably a bodice involved. So it you know, right. um, and 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 it's it's I don't have a lot of memories of the movie itself, and and I totally right. told myself not only last night but again this morning, dude, you should at least watch the trailer before we record. But I've been trying to catch up on sleep all day and it just uh didn't come together but really my memory of the movie is triggered by this poster and it's the you know the 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 typical kind of 80s movie poster where there's a bunch of shenanigans going on in the background and you've got your two main characters front and center and they are um well you don't see shirts for either of them but they're wrapped up in the jolly roger Um, and that just, for whatever reason that I just, I remember seeing, you know, the VHS cassette, uh, case for this when we would go in and just like, this looks like fun. Let's rent it. (laughs) No, I know what you mean. I mean, I can remember a lot of crushes in, in my childhood at the video store, just from the the cover art of VHS tapes. I, Mm -hmm. I, I have a really strong memory of, um, I think there was a, uh, mermaid movie called splash with Daryl Hannah. Sure. Um, that had a really, really uh, a, a fetching image. Um, so yeah, no, good, good choice. Did, now, did Christy McNichols? Did she play like a pirate captain of a pirate ship? Like um, no, if, stuff. If I remember correctly, she was the, um, oh, I think the daughter of a captain, and they were going after uh, like treasure that like her dad had tucked away somewhere. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Well. Yeah. And, I, and of course, you know, hijinks and musicals ensue. Hijinks and musicals do ensue. Oh, I'm gonna have to take a look at this. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 gonna have to find a way to uh, uh, revisit this one and mm-hmm. see just how many other memories get jogged. Oh, okay, cool, cool. All right, what's your number two? Well, my number two pick for this Valentine's is the character Carrie, played by Sally Field and Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, the- yes. Legendary 1977 epic blockbuster film uh, starring uh, Burt Reynolds, Jerry Reed, um, and uh, uh, the famous Jackie Gleason. Yep. Um, and, you know, this movie was just so seminal for me as a kid growing up because it was the, you know, it was the, it, it was, it, it was the predecessor of things like um, Dukes of Hazard and Cannonball Run. And as a child, I really kind of gravitated to the thought conveyed by this film that the type of vehicle a person drove matched their personality. Mm-hmm. So okay. for instance, if a person drove a, a truck that they were good, if a person drove a motorcycle, they were bad. And if you drove a police car, that meant you had no sense of humor, really. <laughs> and as a child that made, it was, it was, it was very, very simple and made pr- pretty good sense at the time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Reed, I remember seeing Jerry Reed as a kid um, in an animated form on a cartoon episode of Scooby-Doo, like sure. as a guest star. Yeah. 
which as a kid, I was like, okay, this guy's in Scooby-Doo and Smoking the Bandit. This guy, is, whoever he is, he's the most important person in my life right now. <laughs> um, but but Sally Field, I mean, what a talent, Oscar-winning actress. Yeah. Um, you know, I think she was dating Burt Reynolds at the time of the filming. So the, on, the on-air chemistry, on-screen chemistry was just, you know, electric. And all around, it was just such a fun experience. Um, uh, when I had my 40th uh, birthday not too long ago, um, when I turned 40, uh, Turner Classic Movies had a Burt Reynolds marathon that night. And uh, Smokey and the Bandit was on. So I got to kind of treat myself a little bit to that. So that Excellent. was a fun time. Now, yeah. I'm taking it you two have childhood memories of Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's again, that's one of those movies that we saw a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of tough to go wrong. Well, I mean, I guess you can mess it up, but you basically have a movie that is just one big car chase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Smokey and the Bandit, they got the formula right. I mean, they, they do it so well. And, and I mean, even just... Even just the, the, the very opening moments of it and, and you know, uh, they're starting up the truck and you, you got the diesel engine going and you know, letting off the air brakes and everything and it kind of starts rolling out. It, that just, first time I saw that after not having seen that movie for a long time brought back so many memories. And, and Sally Field is a huge part of of the charm and the sass and the... You know, I, I remember as a kid watching this movie and going, why Why are we getting this love story in the middle of this car chase? Right, right. You know, um, because that's not what I was focused on as yeah. a kid. I'm like, I want, to, I want to see more of these cop cars crash. I want to yeah, see... Yeah, l- l- less smooching, more crashing. Right. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, as an adult, you know, I, I see it. I kind of get the whole uh, picture of it. Now, I got to tell you, this is a really weird postscript. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Apparently, Jackie Gleason, um, who famously plays the Smokey in Smokey and the Bandit, um, had, his third wife wrote an unpublished memoir in which she claims that in the early 1970s, Jackie Gleason came home to their home one day and was visibly shaken. Yes, I think I know where you're going with this story. And... It, it, it's it's a documented fact that Jackie Gleason had a real big interest in UFOs. Yes, I was hoping you were going here. And he was also a really close friend of um, President Nixon. Yeah. And according to Jackie Gleason's wife, um, President Nixon arranged for him to visit Homestead Air Force Base in Florida and view um, little dead alien extraterrestrial bodies that had been recovered from a UFO crash. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of it kind of wigged him out a little bit, and I, you know who knows if it's true or not. It's a great story, and I just love the fact that maybe when Jackie's you know on the set of Smoking the Bandit in the back of his mind, he's thinking you know, you know I'm just a couple hundred miles away from where I saw those aliens a couple years ago. You know, so, <laughs> that would have taken that movie in a whole other direction. I think it, but, yes, it really would. There would have been a, a whole other chase going on. Yeah, totally right. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. No, that's 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 fantastic, and that that's a great story. In fact, I if I could take a moment right here, I'd actually like to shout out a fantastic podcast um, who um, has gone so far as to say, you know, hey, I'm going to make a point of checking out your podcasts, and I want to give a shout out to the Astonishing Legends podcast. Ooh, um, they're fantastic, and some of the research they they do for their topics. They've had. Um, 
I think they had a four-part series on the Sally House in Kansas, which has got some just like legitimately spine-tingling um, EVPs uh, that they've captured. Wow! Um, I mean, enough to like as I'm listening, my hair is standing on end, kind of thing. Um, and they are currently doing a multi-part series on something called the Betts Sphere. B-E-T-Z. Wow. It was something I had never heard about, but after their first episode, um, they they actually reached out to um, a member of the Betts family. And so now they're getting like the real, like the inside story, and they're getting access to stuff that nobody's had access to in over 40 years, which is just, it's, it's amazing stuff to listen to. And every wow. time um, that they drop an episode, I'm, I'm like... I've got to listen to that one first. And um, so one of the guys like followed us back, followed podcastica, followed me. And I was like, dude, thanks. I'm like, that's, that's really nice. He's like, no, I want to check out what you guys are doing. I'm like, all right, cool. So that's awesome. You know, waving a hand at the astonishing legends podcast. Um, I want everyone else to, to go and check them out when you got some time. So while we're on the topic of strangeness, now was the Sally House the Sally Field House? Uh, no, no, I don't no. believe it was. Different Sally, different, uh, Sally. different, different Sally. I think this is S A L L I E. Okay, I gotcha. I yeah. gotcha. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Very so nice. who's uh, who's number three on your list? Uh, number three for me um, is a professional surfer from the eighties and nineties, uh, Wendy Botha, mm. South African born. Uh, she. Um, was world champ in 87 89 91 92 um all kind of in that peak surf culture window for us again someone who is kind of has and i i I mean this merely in descriptive purposes because i feel like someone's going to get offended when i say this kind of boyish or tomboyish looks Um, it's one of those things where in doing this research and kind of like looking at some, some old photographs, I I, I actually was kind of really surprised because it kind of pictures of her from that era look a lot like pictures of my wife when she was, you know, younger. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Clearly there's, Oh, uh, I didn't expect to kind of like see that, uh, similarity between the two, but Maybe there was something I was thinking of when she and I first met 20 years ago. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, now, how did you, did, was she in the ozone surfing movie you saw as a kid or how did you know about her when you were a kid? Uh, Just surf magazines. Surf magazines. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) the, um, I don't know if you remember, but there were like, uh, surfer trading cards. Oh, were there really? Did there, you have there any? There were. Yeah. I, I had a bunch. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember. That's that. pretty cool. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then um, I, I suppose the only other point worth uh, noting, because, you know, I'm what, probably yeah, about 14 at this point, 13, 14 at this point. She actually okay. did do a spread for Australian Playboy. Oh, another kind of magazine. Yes. Oh, I see. I yes. see. Not one now, that I, uh, ever, I ever saw in person because it was Australian Playboy. So probably this is. I take it you've seen the photos. Oh yeah, yeah. They and are. And was this was this going to be something like from our from our dial up days on the internet? More than likely, yeah. More than likely. Oh, that's great. You have to yeah. wait six minutes for an image to load on the screen. Pretty oh, much. The good old days. I know. Oh, that's funny. Or, or, or the current days with your North Korean computer. 
<laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great choice. Yeah, she's. I took a look at a. I took a look at a couple pictures of her. Not those pictures, but. Um, yeah, yeah it sounds like a really somebody. talented, a, a beautiful young woman, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. And, you know, still out there and, and uh, uh, still surfing, although not professionally. Um, it was kind of funny, like she, she's on social media and stuff, and she had posted a picture of the um, uh, of the trading card. Oh, cool. And I was like, oh, my God, I totally remember having that. That's awesome. Kind of thing. Yeah, it was very cool. Very cool. Yeah. What, what, uh, what about you? What's your number three? My number three pick is Velma Dinkley from Scooby-Doo. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You cannot uh, go wrong with Velma. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I mean, this is, it's kind of like going back to the whole Marianne Ginger thing because, mm-hmm. of course, you know, Daphne is kind of like Ginger, the pretty one, and then Marianne and Velma, they're like maybe the more like girl next door kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, but I don't know. I just, I just had a real thing for Velma growing up as a kid watching Scooby-Doo, which I mean, you and I watched a ton of Scooby-Doo I'd have to imagine. Oh uh, yeah. I, I would imagine at least of like the classic series of Scooby-Doo. Um, we've probably seen all of them. Am I the only person that's ever wondered what Scooby snacks tasted like? Because I always assumed they tasted like a butter, like a, like a peanut butter kind of flavored candy or something you know i i i suppose i wondered about it too i i it's funny because we got um like when we go camping we'll grab like little snack packs of uh stuff for the kids and there's ones that's a scooby-doo um scooby snack one it's just graham crackers oh it's just graham crackers just graham crackers shaped like little bones I always wondered what cartoon foods tasted like for some reason i always thought that like bugs bunny's carrots would taste like Cheetos, which obviously carrots have nothing to do with Cheetos, but no, in my mind, I would eat more carrots if they taste like Cheetos. Though, that's yeah. for sure. Now, how did you feel about Scrappy Doo? I, you know, on the whole, I was fine with Scrappy Doo. I mean, I didn't, I wow. didn't see him as like, um, like a cousin Oliver or anything. Yeah. Like that. He didn't. He didn't seem useless. They they seemed to have their own adventures. There, I, there were times where I'm like, okay, you know, puppy power again. You know, but I didn't, you know. You didn't hate him. No, I didn't hate him. Yeah, I'm really proud of you. That's a bold statement. It seems like it's really <laughs> popular to just dump on Scrappy these days. I can't think of anybody else that, like, doesn't want to, like, put a bullet in his head. That's yeah, really, it's... really big of you. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, were you more of a Velma man than a Daphne man yourself? Oh, definitely. Were you, oh, were you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, glasses, uh, brunettes, the pencil skirt, the knee highs. Um, Mary Jane shoes right yeah I mean look all I can say is that you know in this day and age there are some amazing Velma cosplayers out there Um, yeah when you got a chance (laughs) because it's some good eye candy what do you think do you think there's uh, probably a a greater proportion of Velma cosplayers than uh, Daphne cosplayers Um, that's, that's a really good question I don't follow it enough to say with confidence but mm-hmm. my hunch says there are probably more velmas than daphne's but there are definitely daphne's out there okay okay i can say, I I, I can say that with certainty all right yeah very cool very cool so uh who's number four on your list okay number four now we're gonna get a little weird <laughs> um mostly because you know if <clears throat> if you haven't heard our first valentine's day episode go back and listen to it because seb has this magnificent like theory 
of why we see so many unusual pairings in um, definitely in 80s pop culture. Um, you know, Ali Sheedy and Johnny Five. You know, we got robots. We've got Leah Thompson kind of getting fresh with a anthropomorphic with duck. duck. Yeah, with yeah. the duck. Um, so this this next choice falls into that category, and it is uh, Tiffany Brissett who played Vicky on Small Wonder. Wow, Small yeah. Wonder, of course, the famous television show or infamous television show <laughs> about a about a family and their the uh, the android daughter created by the dad of the family. Um, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, but, yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm still not I'm still not quite clear on why they had to create another kid. They they had plenty of kids. Yeah, I know, but it's like, and then they had to kind of hide the fact that she was a robot mm-hmm. from like the kooky neighbors. Yep. kind of thing yep. going on and there were and definitely... she was dressed like very and she dressed she was, they dressed her like she was a victorian doll almost yeah which kind of added to the weird factor a little bit yeah and i think as 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 an adult looking back there is there is kind of looking at that uh outfit and and how they chose to dress her and go okay yeah that is kind of weird yeah totally because there is that uh, whole kind of like living doll uh, uh, concept at play here, right? But I mean, she didn't have the um, the charisma of like a Lieutenant Commander Data or anything. I mean, she was she had, <laughs> she had more of like a monotone voice delivery kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, think, I think one of the things that you know the show probably did was kind of using um, using the character of a robot to highlight our own humanity, uh, kind of thing. Um, and and of course also get laughs because, you know, if you use a particular, particular, excuse me, colloquialism, you know, a robot isn't going to understand those nuances of language, uh, and thus hilarity ensues. Yeah. Yeah. That's Uh, really interesting. Yeah. Um, but again, that that was one of those shows that, you know, I remember watching a bunch as a kid and, and enjoying and, you know, uh, uh, liking her character, which interestingly enough, I was looking at uh, her IMDb. Um, yeah, whatever happened to Tiffany? What happened to her career or anything? Um, She, let me bring it back up. I was just going to share the fact that you and she share a birthday. Oh, that's right. She was born on December 26th. She's four years older than you up in the, uh, sadly now former town of paradise, California. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wonder if she had like relatives and stuff get burnt out in the big fire up there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but it, it looks like she really didn't do anything past 1991. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, she, right. she was in an episode of Parker Lewis can't lose <laughs> early Fox uh, show that was a great show right um, Gee, uh, i wonder if she played a robot i don't think so yeah okay. i don't think so and then she she was on a tv series called equal justice and then that's it wow oh that's tiffany hmm. yeah okay so yeah there's there's definitely my uh my weird one for this episode <clears throat> well that was uh that was uh going into my number four i've yes. got uh Major Kira Neris, played by Nana Visitor from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, um, sure. Right. And of course, in our last Valentine's Day episode, I confessed to having a crush on uh, Dr. Beverly Crusher from mm-hmm. Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, which you and I both were raised on. Uh, a lot of Star Trek uh, in our household growing up. Yeah, um, definitely. 
And Ma- Major Kira, she was kind of like the uh, the tough, awesome Bajoran officer chick liaison on the Deep Space Nine space station in yep. the uh, aforementioned series, um, which was a really kind of a, I really kind of dug Deep Space Nine. It was sort of kind of like a darker, more twisted Star Trek in the sense that you know a lot of the platitudes and uh, promises of the Federation fell a little flat. You know, when you're on the USS Enterprise, they have the holodeck and people are reenacting Shakespeare. And then you get to the gritty, nitty gritty of Deep Space Nine. And all of a sudden you have holodeck suites that are basically like uh, alien brothels. Sure. Um, And just a random cast of people. Um, You had uh, Constable Odo, a shapeshifter who slept in a a bucket as a, you know, uh, amorphous mass of fluid. Right. Um, there was the one character that had like a symbiotic worm living inside them or something. Right. Jadzia Dax. Yes, exactly. You know? Um, and then of course, you know, um, presiding overall, you got, uh, uh, commander Benjamin Sisko, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Avery Brooks himself, uh, which I I always loved him when he was in Spencer for hire and he'd always say Spencer, uh, Which is which is always always really fun, but um, but yeah, Michikira. Now uh, you dug Deep Space Nine and Michikira too. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and and it is. It, I think I think Star Trek eventually had to accept that you know that there was this kind of darker, grungier side mm-hmm. uh, to everything. <clears throat> Not everything could be this kind of shiny utopia that uh, the original series and, and Next Generation kind of put forth. Um, plus we were going into the nineties. I mean, it was, it was a time of distrust and grunge and the X-Files and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I necessarily, necessarily saw every last episode of DS9, but I, I remember seeing okay. most all of it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a great series. They, they had some fantastic stories and they, they definitely took the franchise uh, in a in a new direction, in a good direction. I loved um, uh, Cork, the yeah. Ferengi. The Ferengi, yep. yep. Um, that was that was fantastic because I, I I always felt like he kind of had a thing for uh, for for Major Kira, and um, there was always this thing where you could kind of um, what was it like tease a, a, a Ferengi by like tickling them behind the ears, kind of thing, and. Yeah, totally. I don't know. I, I, random Star Trek things I remember at this point. You know, I thought it was really interesting looking online. Apparently, uh, Nana Visitor, the actress, actually got married to one of her co uh, co stars from Deep Space Nine, Alice, Alexander Sadig, who played uh, that doctor guy. Um, <laughs> that was his actual name, that doctor guy. <laughs> yes, 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 Commander Doctor Guy. Um, and uh, <laughs> but. Um, and apparently, apparently, she herself was actually honored by having a small asteroid named after her by an astronomer back in 2001. Which oh, is no kidding. Cool That's cool. Well, I right on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Nice. Ah, so who's, uh, who's next on your, uh, on your Valentine's Day list? Oh, let's see. We are, what, we're down to five now. Um, almost the halfway point here. Um, my number five and the, the last of the holdovers from last year is Leslie Ann Warren, who played Miss Scarlet in Clue. Yeah. Great choice. Thank you. Great choice. Thank you. Ah, what a great movie. What a great character. What a great oh, actress. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Just an ensemble care. Uh, on a, 
let me test. Let me start that over because clearly I'm tired and I've got a cough drop in my mouth. <laughs> um, an ensemble cast to be envied. Oh, so much talent in this movie. Christopher Boyd, Madeline Kahn, Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Yep. I mean, gee, wizards, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, Miss Scarlet, she was great. She was a real looker. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and I that, always felt, that's, that's a big part of it, obviously. I always felt that the movie Clue was sort of like the spiritual child of the no, movie Murder by Death from the 70s that we've talked about in a previous episode. Oh, sure. I can see that. Yeah, Murder by Death is such a good movie, too. If you haven't checked that out, folks, put that on your homework. Right. People locked in a spooky mansion, but it's a comedy and people get murdered. I mean, good stuff. And they both had Eileen Bremen in it, which is, uh, which is kind That's of interesting. That's right. That's right. Totally. Now, wasn't... Now, Clue had three different endings, almost, basically. Yeah. The film did. Yeah. Right. And and I think, I'm not sure, but I think the one ending that was the real ending, Leslie Ann Warren was actually the murderer, or murderess, I guess. Um, I think. Um, but if you, you are well a right. listener, know the truth, please let us know. Please reach out to us and let us know. Um, I know you'd think we would have time to rewatch all these movies that we reference in a month i wish i had that kind of time wasn't didn't christopher lloyd christopher lloyd was always trying to get into her pants during the film it felt like uh yeah yeah in terms yeah, of characters yeah his his character definitely kind of had a thing for miss scarlet totally good times good times good choice <laughs> yeah i mean it's tough to go wrong with you know a sassy firebrand of a you know redhead in a green gown that's off the shoulder i mean Again with the off-the-shoulder. Yeah, I, I I must have a thing for shoulders, I guess. I guess so. And tomboys. I'm getting a, I'm getting a picture here. Shoulders okay, this is good. Tomboys. This is, yeah, shoulders this and is tomboys. Weird. Yeah. There's some odd psychoanalyzing going on right now. This is excellent. We're really getting somewhere, folks. This no, is awesome. I don't know where we're getting, but all right. <laughs> uh, all right. Who's next on your list? Number five on my Valentine's list is the actress Cheryl Lee, who portrayed Laura Palmer in the Twin Peaks cult television series, mm-hmm. the brainchild of uh, David Lynch, the yep. uh, mad genius. And, um, of course, last year in our Valentine's Day episode, you chose one of your uh, choices as another actress in Twin Peaks. That's right. Um, so I only felt it was a, a turnaround is fair play and uh, decided to go with this one. Um, of course, you and I were big fans of the uh, original run of the series yep. back in 1990? 90 and 91. 90, yep. 90, 91. Um, totally fun show, bizarre show. Addicting show, really. Which is funny because um, when I've I've got the box set of the original series, um, mm-hmm. and and I go back and I watch it mm-hmm. now, and it's such a soap opera. Oh, it's a total soap opera. It is yeah. a total soap opera, but it's just this bizarre, off the wall. It, like it revels in its weirdness. Now it might seem weird to, for me to choose Cheryl Lee because, of course, her character Laura Palmer. Um, it was her murder that was basically the plot of the whole series in terms of the FBI was investigating who killed her. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't really in the show a lot. But my specific memories are of a 1990 book that was published in conjunction with the series called The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, published oh, by yes. Simon & Schuster, yep. which I think – I know you had a copy. And I, I can only imagine I read your copy. and Probably. 
let's see, 1990, I'm about 12 years old. I'm just getting off of things like DuckTales and cartoon shows like Disney's The Gummy Bears. And all of a sudden, <laughs> what falls in my lap but my big brother's copy of The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, which by 2019 standards might be only as racy as a movie you might see on the Lifetime channel. But to a 12-year-old in 1990, this was, gosh darn it, the raunchiest thing I have ever read in my life up it, to that point. It is, it is definitely a, a very raunchy book. Oh, my goodness. So and this, was this like your sexual awakening? Do I want to know? Uh, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think I'm old enough to have a sexual awakening yet. Uh, I don't think I've gotten to that point yet. But all right, um, ladies, ladies, uh, ladies, just understand, Seb is single. But but I guess what I'm trying to say is um, this book. I mean, there were bookstores across America that refused to sell it because it was considered so raunchy. Mm-hmm. And one thing that blew my mind doing some research tonight, or in preparation for this episode, is that an audiobook version of this publication, narrated by Cheryl Lee, the actress that played Laura Palmer, was actually released back in 2017, oh, no which kidding. blew my mind because it's like, where have I been and why didn't I purchase or download this thing two years ago, basically? Well, you so, don't have a smartphone. I mean, well, you know, this is true. I do have a, uh, a not very smartphone. It's kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, but what, what are you going to get? My cell phone was manufactured in North Korea, so, you know. <laughs> <sighs> but now you remember this book as well, I take it. Oh, oh Yeah. I definitely right. remember it. And it was basically kind of a setup because it was it was sort of like not not necessarily a novelization of this of the TV show but almost like a prequel. Yeah, um, I mean, because obviously I, I would it's almost... the diary written by the person that gets murdered before the show even starts. So I would I would almost call it a supplemental. Supplemental, right, right. Um granted, yeah, the events of the book take place before the series takes place. So it's a prequel in that sense. Okay. Um, but I think the idea was to kind of um, flesh out, as it were, um, Laura Palmer's character, kind of giving some background that they didn't have time to address in the show. <laughs> Emphasis on flesh when you say right? flesh out. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, good stuff, though. Good stuff. Totally. What, was was she in the was she in the twenty seventeen series continuation? Uh, Continuation on yeah, Showtime? It, it definitely wasn't a reboot. No, she was in it. Oh, was she really? Yeah, she was in it. Um, I'm was not she... even going to attempt to explain what happens. Was she... Oh, so was she was like playing a ghost of herself? Or... No, no, she was playing oh, really? herself. Oh, maybe she didn't die. Maybe I've never seen it, so who knows? It's look. <clears throat> it's David Lynch. It's David Lynch. It's David Lynch. There's That's dreams. All you need to say. There's timelines. There's it gets weird. Timelines. Um, I didn't really love the continuation. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I watched it all. Yeah. Uh, but when it was all said and done, I was like, I just want to go back to my 1990 twin peaks Yeah. and live there. I I was a lot happier with just that. Totally. I used to have the theme song on my iPod and on days coming to work when it was like incredibly foggy, I'd always put it on and it just kind of fit. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's classic, classic music. <sighs> so here we are over the hump. Now with your number six pick of our Valentine's list. We did it. We Who's made up it next? past the point where we lost our episode last night. <laughs> yes, yes. We're, yeah, we're now we're not going to talk about. We're not going to have new content. So we're now going to have. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> um, so yeah, almost the rest of my list. Uh, almost the rest of my list was. It became all 
90s alternative act uh people like i i, I went like music I, yeah like music because I, I i realized i'm like oh i did just tv and movies and cartoons for this last one i'm like i never looked at music outside of i think tiffany mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so my number six is uh, uh, Kay Hanley, who is the uh, lead singer for the 90s alternative band Letters to Cleo. Mm, okay. Um, and um, Letters to Cleo did a song that I got really familiar with called Here and Now. Um, okay. The music video for it, uh, I'll have a link to in the show notes if you want to familiarize yourself with it. Um but again, for me, it, it was very much that like, you know, it's it's 90s, it's grunge, it's um, that whole alternative scene. And um, I I like bands that are fronted by women. I it, it again, I think it's that that strong female character, even if even if they are maybe are singing um, uh, in a in a. I don't know how to describe it in a way that seems um, not necessarily as strong. I mean, look, you got to be strong to get up on stage and, and to sing in front of people. I'm not going to say that, you know, you're not, but you know, the, the, the content or the style or whatever might almost seem um, a little childish at times. I mean, I don't okay. want to say I, 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 okay. I'm doing a terrible job of describing. No, 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 so, no. Um, but there's i don't know there's there's maybe maybe an innocence to it a lot of this gen x 90s alternative music was this um this people moaning of, and complaining about stuff yeah people moaning and complaining about stuff because you know as gen xers we were we were given this world that kind of um you know is isn't meeting our needs the way that that um our baby boomer parents kind of made it out to be, uh-huh. you know, things aren't all necessarily happy, hunky dory and, Oh, you know, Hey, the earth's kind of going to crap. And, um, mm. there's, there's this, there's this disconnect, um, okay. that's going on in all of that. Um, but again, it, it's with, um, with this example in particular, it, it, again, it's just, I, I love the sound. I, I love the lyrics, um, I love how she sings and, um, you know, using the video for here and now as an example, it just, it was a good video. It was fun to look at. Um, and yeah. Now, when you were younger um, how did you first get introduced to the music of Kay Hanley? Uh, was it through like a, was it MTV? Was it a commercial for like microwavable pizzas that her music was in? Was it like just going to the music store and picking up a cassette tape that looked interesting? How um, did you first? Because the thing is, I looked at the YouTube clip you had, and I was I was like, honestly, I've never heard this. I mean, it was good music, but I had never heard this before that I can ever remember. Yeah, um, um, you know, which probably I'm, means it wasn't in a microwavable pizza commercial because that's no. usually where I listen to most of my music. But, it, it wasn't. Yeah, um, no. Um, okay. At in 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 this era in in like the ninety to ninety let's say five era, which is basically all of high school for me. Um, Live one hundred and five in San Francisco was a good station. Um, yeah. They I and I listened to radio a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always needed music when I studied. Um, 
I needed just that noise. Um, and definitely once I started driving and stuff and I got my license, oh God, I, I need my music while I drive. Right. Um, still do. <clears throat> um, and Live 105 was like the station that I listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so everything that came through there, cause it was all alternative music. Um, mm. that, that was my main source. Okay. for that um yeah we watched some mtv um but mtv at that time well one yes carried music but carried all sorts of different stuff so um you know mtv would introduce me to other genres and stuff um, mm-hmm. um occasionally it would be you know go to the music store kind of looking for something and kind of get drawn into like a cover art or something but by and large it was listening to the radio that introduced me to stuff and it it wasn't you know i I couldn't sit there with my phone and like shazam it and be like what song is this i literally had to be like oh my god i really like the song i need to listen to hear have them back announce it right so i can go oh that's the name of the song that's the name of this you know artist or something and go look them up later I took a look at the Wikipedia link you put in the show notes yeah, for yeah. Kay Hanley. Yeah. And the factoid that I really glommed onto and enjoyed the most was that in 2007, she appeared in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on the Care Bears float. Yes. Which, Crazy. Which was huh? sounds, yeah, nah, that, that, I was like, that's when I saw that. I was like, sold. You know? Uh, it's it's cool. really kind of, it's really kind of funny because a lot of these artists, um, you know, when I'm introduced to them as a teen, they're, they're, they're born eight to 10 years before me. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, now you're getting into like, you know, the early 2000s, it's like, oh, they're settling down. They're having a family. They're having kids. They're doing these things like, you know, here we're, we're, we're doing some music for a Care Bears movie, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of funny to see how, um, how the the careers change because yeah. of um, life changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about good choice, you? though. No, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. my uh, my uh, my number six pick in our Valentine's list is the character of Emmy, played by Kim Cattrall in the film Mannequin, which uh, we've of course talked about in previous episodes. Oh yeah, how do you along with that? Right, and I kind of feel that like. Kim Cattrall in Mannequin is sort of like my version of you choosing Vicky from Small Wonder. Uh, in the context a of the movie, bit, I can because see it's, that. Yeah, I mean, she's not a robot, but she is a mannequin that comes to life, so it's kind of like a robot. Yep. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because, you know, I talked to mom before we recorded our episode, and she's sort of like the honorary fact checker for our podcast <laughs> since it's about so many childhood memories. Right. And I, I said to mom, I'm like, hey, do you remember Tay and I having like crushes on anybody when we were kids and young adults on like people in movies and TV? And the only one she could remember was Kim Cattrall from Mannequin. So I think that must have been a big thing. But um, did you have any feelings for, for Emmy in that film? Or? Yeah, actually, no, I, I yeah, I it's kind of funny that she didn't come up on my list anywhere because yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, we both loved that movie a lot. Um, and I think it was very, very easy to get attracted to her. I mean, she is, she's just a lovely woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and mannequin is one of those films, um, that kind of, I think even today you don't really get anything that kind of comes close to matching it in terms of what it was at the time. Right. Right. 
Um, classic film, classic choice. I'm glad you agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so now who's your number seven on your uh, list? Number seven again. You know, we're we're keeping on the musical uh, tip here. Um, uh, this gal was the uh, lead singer of the band Belly. Mm-hmm. You got to love those names from the '90s. Um, uh, her name's Tanya Donnelly. Okay. Um, and, um, again, this is, it's, it's a little bit tougher for me to, um, kind of describe how I'm attracted to, um, these, these musical artists more because I'm, I'm, you know, first introduced to them by my ears rather than my eyes. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's, it's more, um, it's more difficult to describe, you know, I, I can't just be like, oh, well, hey, it's a tomboy or it's a, you know, this or it's a that. Um, it's really, it's kind of listening to uh, their musical styling and, um, you know, their energy when they sing. Um, and uh, uh, Tanya Donnelly, for some reason, I, the, the way that I can best describe it um, is, you know, uh, the, the, the way she sings is, is a very... Um, it can be very gentle. Okay. Um, but you can tell that underneath and not too far underneath, there is, um, a strength and, um, a passion and an aggression that's kind of under there. Okay. Um, and, and the only other analogy that I can kind of come at to try and describe that is, is, you know, um, it, it's it's like seeing someone and and kind of literally judging them by the cover and being like, oh, you're just you know uh, uh, fragile or or um, you know innocent, and then you know them totally surprising you and being like, oh hell no, because I'm like a karate master and I can kick your butt and mm. rah, look at my riot girl aggression okay. with that, um, and and that's. I I think I mean if nothing else musically is 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 something that <clears throat> I've always uh enjoyed where mm. there there are these these levels and these variations um between um kind of presenting oneself one way and then completely subverting your um assumptions mm-hmm. made on that um and uh, Belly, they they had a few uh, albums. The, uh, uh, the their first one, Star, uh, really sticks out. Um, there's a track on there called "Feed the Tree." That was kind of my my intro uh, to the band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they uh, they're they're still around. That's the amazing okay. thing is, you know, they 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 went through a period. They kind of you know took a break, like a lot do, um, and they 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 come back and they're still out there touring, which is. Um, Really impressive. Have you ever seen Belly live in concert? I've, I've not actually. Uh, oh, really? Ni- neither have I seen uh, Letters to Cleo. Oh, okay. Um, live. Um, it, it, at, at my point in life with kids, it, it's kind of tough to get out to well, see sure. live music. But I did see a lot when I was a teenager. I would I would go to Live 105's BFD like music festival. Yeah, be like an all day thing, and you'd see like twenty or thirty bands or something. Um, but mm-hmm. yet, never. I've, I've seen a lot of bands. Yeah, I haven't seen Valley. Haven't seen Letters to Cleo. Have seen a couple of the other ones on my list, but not these. And the other thing that I'm noticing because I'm bringing up the Wikipedia is just to uh, pull any references is is 
strangely, actually, a lot of these artists are coming out of New England. I don't know what it is about them in that region that I'm like, I really like their music. Yeah, I saw a lot of New Englanders, these ladies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, interesting. And it's you know everybody thinks you know grunge in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, but um, yeah, a number of these really really strong artists kind of came out of New England. It's clam chowder grunge. It that's that's exactly what it is. It's clam chowder grunge. It is. Thank yes. you. There you yes. go. There yeah. you go. All right. What's your next one? <laughs> My next one is the um, actress. Uh, Christine McGlade, aka Moose, from nice. the from the Canadian cult television uh, kids show. You can't do that on television. Oh my god! Which we watched a lot of on Nickelodeon. Absolutely, um, introduce the world. And to slime. I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, uh, you read my mind. I know that. Okay, technically, I think slime did exist as a Mattel toy product in the 70s, but honestly. You can't do that on television. Famously known for dumping buckets of of slime on actors when they said, "I don't know that," or what was it? They, there was a phrase they said. They, they would say, "I don't know." It was like, yeah, I don't know. It was basically like, okay, let me back up. You can't do that on television. Was a predominantly child actor uh, led um, comedy variety show almost. Yep. And yep. um, from Canada, um, if people said the phrase don't know or i don't know a bucket of slime would magically be dumped on their head Mm -hmm. um and it was very much like um the groucho marks you bet your life say the magic word when a hundred dollars and a duck falls out of the air kind of thing right yeah (laughs) Um, but but honestly to be honest i mean i think that was where i was first exposed to slime and i Correct me if I'm wrong, but the 1980s, when we grew up, was the decade of slime. You had slime in Ghostbusters, you had slime in Double Dare, you had you had slime in toy products, you had slime on the Nickelodeon's Kid Choice Awards, and green slime kind of like was almost like synonymous if you can't do that on television. Yeah. And I just remember Moose being like uh, like a really kind of cool chick, you know? She was sort of kind of the... Not the host or MC of the show, but I think she was one of the longest reoccurring characters or actors that appeared on the show. Yeah, she um, she definitely was, and and I and I think in some ways, you know, she she was something of a host. Yeah, on the show. Yeah. Um, um, not too long ago, I, and I should send this link to you if I have it handy. Um, Rediscover the eighties. Uh, their their website actually had an interview with her. Oh wow! Oh cool. Um. And uh, kind of looking back at um, that show and her involvement in it. And, and she, she really hasn't done uh, much in the way of acting outside of that, from what I recall. From what I read, she landed the role without even intending to audition or be an actor. Mm-hmm. She really just kind of fell into it. There's a comically large article on Wikipedia about a portion in the her run on that show when her trademark brown hair she actually cut it short and dyed it like a punk thing but for continuity sakes the producers made her continue to wear a brown wig over that hair oh interesting but then she could never be slimed while wearing the wig for like because it would ruin the wig or something really kind Uh of weird Uh um but uh yeah so i'm glad that you remember moose that makes me happy oh Um, yeah absolutely i mean i mean that that's that's another one that you know looking back it's like oh yeah 
dude. I I totally had a thing for Moose. I watched the intro to the the show, like the theme music and whatnot, yeah, the credits yeah, yeah. on YouTube the other more, the other day, and I had not seen that since probably 1990, 1992, and it sent chills up my spine. Yeah, the way that how I had forgotten but remembered every moment of it. Yeah, and it just I it had me wigging out. I was just like it was crazy. If you if you haven't seen the opening credits lately um check try to check it out on youtube and uh let me know what you think it's pretty impressive it it really is in in many circles it is kind of like the the unsung um hero inspiration for a lot of things that came out of that era and a lot of things that became synonymous with nickelodeon isn't isn't you can't do that on television where alanis morissette came from uh yes she 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 did appear on that show at least once if not a few times yeah, yeah. And um, I, got, I got to say, now that I think about it, if if there is a show from our childhood that I would love to see get like a DVD box set release. Oh, you can't do that on television? I'd love to have that. Yeah. That would be yeah, awesome. Totally. Do you remember there was like a gross chef named Barth? Barth yeah. or something? Yeah. I heard yeah. that. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. One of the two adult actors. Yeah, I know, cast. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's so good. fantastic. Oh. Oh, good memories. Good oh. memories. So, man, who, who's next up on your list? Um, another musical act. Yes, again, actually coming out of New England yet again. Um, Juliana Hatfield. Um, I don't know if related to those Hatfields with the McCoys or not. <laughs> I, I have no proof of that. Um, but again, another strong female singer-songwriter. Um, uh, bit of a redhead for what that's worth. Cause that, I, I, that does kind of get my attention. Um, but again, with, <clears throat> with other musical acts kind of heard them before I saw them. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, just again, really enjoy that. Um, something that I kind of really liked about the music of that era that I don't think we get today. Um, which is why probably most of what I listen to is still music from that era. Um, mm-hmm. is, um, you do get this kind of nice mix of both acoustic and electric guitar, mm. uh, in, in, in what they, uh, create and, um, the Juliana Hatfield three as a band, um, much the same way. Um, wow. and that, that again, I think the more I think about it, it kind of, kind of speaks into what I was talking about with Tanya Donnelly, where you, you've got this gent this gentility mixed with um this underlying kind of aggression or passion uh in the music so you you've you've got this 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 gentler you know acoustic guitar but then you've got you know kind of the the angry electric guitar or bass guitar uh playing opposite mm. it um and i'm i'm again i'm kind of just pulling these ideas out of my head as I talk about them, um, as it's all kind of coming to me. Um, but yeah, again, you know, she just, she just kind of mixed in with, with all the other, um, acts. Um, there's, she's a very, uh, popular song that, uh, the Juliana Hatfield three put out called my sister. Okay. Um, it, it, it's probably one of the first songs. Uh, and that's one of the things about grunge it for me in in this era is is 
it was the first time that I really heard a lot of swearing in oh. music and, and, but not, not to make a big deal out of it. Like okay. rap will swear to make a big deal out of it. Mm. You know, rap will swear to be like, I'm saying this because I'm tough. Okay. You know, um, a lot of this was a lot of, you know, the alternative music. It was just, it was just, it was just used because that was the right word. Okay. You know, um, uh, the song, my sister is, 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 you know, she's literally, she's talking about her sister and how, you know, she's amazing and she's cool. And she looks up to her. And then like the, the very next verse is like, you know, uh, I miss my sister. She's such a bitch. Um, and, and kind of talking about just how much she annoys the crap out of her, uh, kind of <laughs> stuff. And again, it's, it's this dichotomy, okay. uh, going on the whole way through. And I was just like, you know, as a, as a 13 year old, as a 14 year old, and sure, I swore. Um, but to just have it so just casual, it's just like, there's no big deal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm using swear words, but whatever we all do, you know, kind of the- thing. I I, uh, I looked at the uh, Wikipedia entry you put in the show notes, yeah. and the thing the thing that sold me on your choice, Juliana Hatfield, was that she appeared as a lunch lady in an episode of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Um, oh, did she really? Did now you remember The Adventures of Pete and Pete? I totally I remember that, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. The adventure, I, I think, also Nickelodeon. Um, yeah, and it was probably one of the best loved. Uh, I don't even know. It was a cult classic. It was a comedy. It was a show about two brothers growing up in a very kind of surreal town. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, for those of you who are fans of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, you know, no description is required. For those of you who have never had the pleasure, no description will suffice probably. <laughs> um, but the fact that she appeared as a lunch lady on that show was the point, the, the thing where I, they really sold me on your pick on that one. That's so good awesome. choice. That's awesome. Yeah. And now that I go a little bit further, <clears throat> excuse me there. Um, as I go a little bit further down, uh, in these notes here, uh, even though she's got a song called my sister, she has no sisters, but she does have two brothers. <laughs> okay. um, that's, that's, that's the quality of the writing. It sold me on the fact that she had a sister. Um, right. Yeah. And her father claimed his family is descended from the Hatfields of the Hatfields and McCoys. Um, oh, well, there you go. But claimed. I mean, well, you know, anybody can claim that. I guess we would need some uh, Ancestry.com to actually figure out. Totally, totally. Use, use code if memory serves, which will get you nothing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, all oh, right. All right. Cranking on here. What is your next one, Seb? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it wouldn't be a If Memory Serves podcast Valentine's Day episode if Sebastian didn't fess up to having a crush on a female animated cartoon rodent. Of course, in our first Valentine's episode, I fessed up to having a big crush on Miss Frisbee from The Rats of Nim, the famous Don Bluth animated movie. And uh, now I have to say that, uh, Taylor, I'm sorry, it is true. I did have a crush on Jeanette Miller from the Alvin and the Chipmunks cartoon show. She was one of the Chipettes. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, she was, of course, you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks. There was Alvin. There was Simon, who was the tall one that wore blue and had glasses. Mm-hmm. There was Theodore, the little dumpy one that wore green. And, uh, of course, the Chipettes were uh, basically kind of clones of those three type characters. So uh, Jeanette was the tall one that wore blue and had glasses. And I had a massive crush on her. Um, well, it's now, glasses. I can I can see why. 
Yeah, maybe maybe it's the glasses. I don't know. Um, I do have to say, though, you did have a shout out earlier in this episode to another podcast. Yeah. I, I do have to follow that to the extent that I feel every time we record an episode, there's at least one thing that I either consciously or subconsciously steal from one of my favorite podcasts I've mentioned here before called the Purple Stuff Podcast. Right. They had an episode where they talked briefly about the 1980s animated Alvin and the Chipmunks cartoon show, which... I remember fondly and watched a lot of. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how much you did. Not uh, a bit. And they talked about something which was, it kind of blew my mind. Because when I watched Alvin and the Chipmunks, I always thought in my mind, okay, which chipmunk am I? Or which chipmunk do I identify with? Mm-hmm. And it was always Theodore, the little dumpy one that wore green. And the hosts of the Purple Sub podcast talked about which of the chipmunks they identified with. And okay. I don't know why I felt like this, but I felt like I was the only child in America that ever had that thought. And it kind of blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> nice. Um, I, ne- I never really identified with Simon, but obviously Jeanette, the one I had the crush on, was kind of the clone of Simon. The yeah. fact that I identified with Theodore. I mean, I don't know why I didn't have the crush on the female counterpart to Theodore, Eleanor. But maybe that would have been like having a crush on a female version of myself, which I guess is kind of weird. But mm-hmm. um I'm probably digressing too much into the uh, psychoanalytical couch that I'm lying on right now. <laughs> well, but, uh, you know, whatever makes you comfortable while we record, I, right? I guess so. I guess so. But uh, anyway, so uh, do you have any memories of the chipmunks? Um, um, just, you know, broad, generic ones. Generic generic ones? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I remember we watched it. I don't uh-huh. really remember any of their adventures. Okay. Um, I, I knew that I could only handle their voices for so long. Oh, really? Did it oh, get yeah. a little too high pitched? Oh, stuff? yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're running a cassette too fast, kind of pitched up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so who's uh, who's next on your list? All right. All right. Well, my my last my last musical act, not my last entry at all, but my last musical act, um, is uh one that I actually have seen live before. Uh, oh. A couple times, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, Shirley Manson is the lead singer for the band Garbage. Oh, wow. This is really interesting because of all of the musical um, musicians that you chose for tonight's episode, she's the only one whose music I've ever heard before, actually, okay. that, I, that I can remember hearing. Sure. Um, now, was it was there anything about Shirley that just caught you? Was it just um, the music or the her appearance? or every, um, Everything. Everything? Okay. <laughs> Um, um, like their whole debut album is amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, one, you win me over, you're Scottish. Okay. So you're going to tell it like it is. You're going to take no guff. Um, and you have an accent that you could just read the bloody phone (laughs) book and I'd be happy with. Um, (laughs) okay. Second redhead. Okay. Sad. Um, but part of that um scottishness as it were um just comes out in the performance in the singing it's just up there it's it's in your face it's um you know there's just a i'm trying to think of how best to describe it um there are things uh, uh mannerisms and 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 such in in that first album where it's it's like you feel like if you were interacting 
with her as a character, right? Just listening to this first album where okay. you, you would feel like blessed by the heavens if she gave you the time of day and then she would turn around and like stomp on you and you would say, thank you, ma'am. May I please have another? Uh, I don't. Okay. I, yeah, I, it's, it's but, I'm doing well, I think, again a I, terrible job of describing this. I think I know what you mean because I think of everybody that's on your list tonight. She's the only one I'm actually scared of or frightened of. <laughs> she did a song. I think it's called "I Would Die for You." Yeah, yeah. For it's like, the it's... um, like oh, they somebody remade like a, a Shakespeare movie in a modern style. It's it's like the scariest song I've ever heard in my life. It's it's almost it almost kind of reminds me of like a like a like a song that like a female Trent Reznor would do. I yeah I, like I, I really can see that. super I can see that. obsessive love for someone that's bordering on upset like something unhealthy kind yeah. of yeah I can see that um from from their debut album if you um I, and I think it's the link that I put in the uh, show notes there it's the video uh for the song queer um any any song that starts with hey boy take a look at me let me dirty up your mind uh, I'm sold <laughs> that's I'm, all thanks. okay yep. <laughs> that's all it takes I'm like, well, yes ma'am okay well well I'll, I'll tell you what it, i'll tell you what it took me to get sold on shirley manson i was looking at your wikipedia link in the show notes that yes. said that she appeared on the cult u.s television show kids show pancake mountain featured in a segment titled around the world with shirley manson where she talked about music from other countries okay you clearly went deeper into the wikipedia entries than i did um that's pretty impressive first of all cult u.s children's show pancake mountain what the hell? I've never heard of Pancake Mountain. Have you ever heard of Pancake Mountain? No, I keep ending up over in the Waffle Fjords. I mean, that's, I mean, first of all, sign me up. Any TV show that's called Pancake Mountain. <laughs> I mean, I'm first thinking it's going to be a cooking show. Then you tell me it's a kid's show. I'm even more excited. Then you tell me that somebody that I'm terrified of, Shirley Manson, appears on it in the segment where she talks about music from other countries. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I remember um, um, seeing them live. Um, I think, let's see, one time was at, I'm pretty sure it was the San Jose Arena. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then I think another time was at Shoreline. So it had to have been like one of the Live 105 festivals. In fact, a friend of yours uh, from high school had a story that was related to me. I, I can't vouch for the veracity of it, but you had a friend, Dave. Yeah. Dave. Mm-hmm, who was at that concert. Now I remember leaving a little early, like b- before, like the show had completely finished shoreline can be horrible mm-hmm. to try and get out of, uh, if yeah. everybody's leaving all at once. So it's like, I left before like the, um, encore or something. Mm-hmm. And so a few days later, he comes to me and he's like, dude, I totally ran into uh, the band after the show. Oh, right. This is what this is what he claims. And, you know, he's he just describes being kind of, you know, awestruck and everything because, you know, here's this band that we, we just came to see um, and saying, oh, yeah, really, really enjoyed the show and really like your music. And she's, you know, was like, oh, thanks. And he's like, and, and she gave me a kiss. And I, I, it's tough for me to go. That was amazing because at the same time, he always struck me as somebody who would want to tell that like story of one upsmanship. So I, I just, 
I put it out there as a story that I'm sure he believes was true. I'm not sure that I believe it was true. Uh, okay. Just throwing that well, out there. It's like Chunk and Goonies when he was talking about the time Michael Jackson wanted to come over to his house and use the bathroom. That's right, because that's kind of creepily something Michael Jackson might have done. Uh, anyway, um, well, hey, great choice, though. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad yeah. it's actually somebody you'd heard of as well. Um, and oh, yeah. uh, by all means, what is your penultimate choice? Yes, my number nine on the uh, If Memory Serves Valentine's Day episode podcast list Magenta Divine, a.k.a. Kim Taylor from Rough Guide. Rough Guide, the famous or not-so-famous Colts BBC2 British television travel show. I'm not sure anything um, on BBC2 has ever been referred to as cult, but let's run yeah, with that. Probably. Um, and, you know, uh, actually, you know what? Let's take this moment and t- listen to a brief little audio clip from Magenta. Why don't we? Okay. Everyone knows that Italian men are supposed to have the best-looking faces and the cutest-looking bottoms in the entire world. So I'm going to go into this cafe and, completely at random, just find a perfect specimen of Italian manhood. And, yes, I think I'll pick this one. Now, look, he's very hunky, he's got a lovely body, beautiful smile. He's perfect, in fact. But there probably is one major problem. Lurking at home, he probably has an Italian mother. I really think that little clip sums up Magenta Divine totally. She was almost like Anthony Bourdain before Anthony Bourdain. She was an iconoclastic television travel host, but younger and female and British. Um, and had <laughs> and didn't have a restaurant. And glasses. But I guess she had kind of glasses, kind of like Anthony Bourdain, actually. But anyway, Rough Guide. Now, Rough Guide, it's like, it's such a shame because it was such a great travel show. It was educational. It, it was educational. It was funny. It was hip. Um, and there's like maybe two or three episodes on YouTube and that's it. I don't think it's ever been released on DVD or VHS to the best of my knowledge. Um, please tell me you remember rough guide. I do remember rough guide. I actually, I I had to look up, uh, this gal to remember what she looked like, but I, I remember watching rough guide totally. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. She was just she was just awesome and really cool. And um, yeah, if you've never had a chance to to see any of the show, I'm not sure how much it's held up. But um, I mean, I think travel shows are interesting. I think a 30 year old travel show might be doubly interesting because the past is almost like a foreign country in and of itself. So, Very true. yeah, I don't Very know. true. That's 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 a good way of putting it. And I, it's you know, it's I think it's worth my time to go back and, and you know, find an old episode of Rough Guide and kind of remind myself uh, why we liked it so much. Totally. So now this being our last Valentine's Day episode, this is your last pick. I'm really excited to hear who it's going to be. It's probably going to be a big one, I would imagine. Uh, well, you know, I, I kind of put the list in no particular order. Um, so it, maybe it's not. But um, when it hit me that I was like, oh, wait a second. I haven't put this person on the list. How did I not do that? It was a crime to admit her. It, a cri- exactly. But it's right. Allison Hannigan from Buffy the wow. Slayer and a bunch of other stuff. That's a super solid choice. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, and I, I was I was a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Back you were a huge day. Buffy guy. Yeah, I really, really was. I, I enjoyed that show more than I'm probably willing to admit now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Allison Hannigan, I mean, started off as, you know, nerdy bookish again, redhead. 
um you know turns into this super powerful like badass witch mm-hmm. um also has the amazing doppelganger episode where there's like evil willow um and again you know you think mm-hmm. about it like i was talking about with shirley manson it's like evil willow yep okay i i will follow you to my doom okay sure yep is it was it like the was it like the famous episode of star trek where there was an evil spock but they made they made him eatable was well, he just had a goatee um, well, she didn't have a goatee. Um, okay. But, uh, <laughs> you know what um, I'm talking about. I do. No, I, I do. But, but she, you know, she was, she was basically, you know, a baddie in like black leather. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. And, and it was just like, oh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm used to you wearing like, you know, uh, uh, overalls and, you know, uh, cardigan sweaters. And, you know, now here's this and it's like, oh, hi. Hello. Did you follow any of her other stuff, like uh, How I Met Your Mother, or like the other show she did? Or um, yeah, actually, um, I, I I didn't I didn't get into like How I Met Your Mother when it when it again it was something I came up, came to like in syndication. Oh yeah, okay. It, one of those things uh-huh. is like, oh, uh, there's nothing on TV. Well, here's this show, and you know they're showing it for the next three hours, so I can just put this on. Right, right. Um, and yeah, no, she she's great in that. Um, you know, obviously the American Pie movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that. I I found it really kind of funny. I feel like my my superpower as as a parent is to recognize yeah. voice talent in cartoons that my kids watch. Okay. And go, oh wait a second, I think that's the same person who does the voice for this character on that show. And then go to like IMDb and look it up and go, oh, I was right. Now, you know, I'm going to say something, and I don't know how you're going to feel about it, so okay. you might want to cut it out of this episode if you don't feel it's appropriate. Well, can um, I finish my thought first? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, there is a series on Disney that okay. is based on a series of books uh, called Fancy Nancy, and the okay. only reason it's on my radar at all is that my kids are now old enough to feel like they're too cool for these shows and so they'll sometimes sit there and make fun of them Uh um but allison hannigan actually voices the mom oh really on that show okay yeah so anyway go ahead you were saying oh um um when we were younger didn't i could have sworn you dated someone that looked a lot like her um now i don't know if you feel comfortable talking about this if you don't let me know we can cut out of the episode I'm trying to think of who it would be. Who's that girl? What, Jenna? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't really think that they look all that much alike. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you would be the expert, but um, I do. <laughs> I am the one that wears glasses in the family, so, you know. Well, okay. I do too now. And then, oh, in fact, no. I've got I've to get myself scheduled to get, I think, I think my prescription's wearing out. My eyes get pretty tired by the end of the day. But Allison Hannigan, here's the thing that drives me crazy. I mm. looked on, I looked her up online. It talked about how when she was really young, like four years old, she was doing commercial TV commercials for like Oreo cookies and stuff. Yeah. And it really drove me crazy because one of my favorite websites is the Internet Movie Database, which will give you almost a, any actor's entire film and television credits. Yep, yep. I wish that, I mean, it'll also give you stuff like, you know, voiceover work for video games mm-hmm. and things, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wish it extended into television commercials. 
Oh, I feel like there might actually be a site specifically for that. I hope so. I hope that information doesn't just linger in some musty old filing cabinet in this Green Actors Guild's basement or something right. like that. <laughs> be, be honest. Would you would you would you invest thirty seconds of YouTube time to watch an Oreo cookie television commercial with Allison Allison Hannigan? Of course you would. Sure, for thirty seconds. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So anyway, but yeah. There it is. That's a really great choice. All your choices were great tonight. Oh, I thank really you. think they were awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I, I I don't feel like I necessarily did all of them justice in trying to, you know, describe them well, but I'm I'm running on not a lot of sleeps right now. So forgive me that and I will be more rested for next month. What, however, Seb, is your last pick? My last pick, my number 10 pick tonight, of course, my last pick of the episode, my last pick of any Valentine's Day episode we'll ever do, I needed to go out with a bane, folks, so I did a two-for-one. What? Yes, my number 10 choice, it's the only pair of sisters on my choices. It's also the only people on my choices that have actually been murdered, and the only people on my choices that have actually been recognized as saints by the Russian Orthodox Church. It is, it is Grand Duchess Olga and Grand Duchess Tatiana, two of the daughters of the last czar of Russia, Nicholas II. Um, when I was a kid in high school, I had a photograph of them, more like a photocopy of a photograph of them. Yeah. Um, that was It was a photograph taken probably in the early 20th century of them both dressed up. They were both honorary colonels of two Russian army regiments, Mm -hmm. one regiment of Lancers and one regiment of Hussars. And it was the two of them dressed up in their respective uniforms. And I had it taped inside my high school locker for about three or four years, like as a pinup photo. And I still have a copy of the photograph on my mantelpiece in my apartment tonight. That that's pretty impressive. And I, I looked at this picture and I do remember this picture Oh, do you really? I do. Um, and and honestly, I, I get it. Well, you know what? I am a sucker for a woman in uniform. Right. And it's really kind of weird because the last episode we did about our memories of Civil War reenacting, mm-hmm. we talked about um, the infamous dress parade incident. Yes. Where some of the Civil War reenactors wore dresses with That's their right. uniforms. And the photo that I had taped inside my locker looks an awful like the dress parade photo because they have... <laughs> Long flowing skirts with military tunics. So go figure. But anyway. Uh, but I will um, tell you this. Olga and Tatiana look a lot better than anybody in my company. <laughs> you think so? Yes. I hope so. Yes. I really do hope so. I will say that. Uh, and and, and I, 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 I think a lot of people might be going, that's a really weird choice. But folks, if you knew Seb, this is <laughs> the most on-brand choice that Seb could possibly make. Apparently, when they were murdered, their bodices or their corsets were packed full of thousands of diamonds that they were going to try to, you know, smuggle out of Russia, you know? I see. And the bullets ricocheted off. And some of the soldiers thought it was a miracle and freaked out because they were very raised in a very religious environment. Right, right. And then the other ones kind of bayoneted them to death, I think. Um, So And that that probably got past the diamonds a little more easily. But happy Valentine's Day, folks. Happy um, Valentine's Day, everyone. Gee, wizards, what a list. What a night. What an episode. Oh, I really want to, you know, hey, thank you so much for 
doing this episode with me and for all of the technical trials and tribulations you go through to make this all possible. (laughs) Folks, dear listeners, faithful listeners, I do have to once again confess that my brother is the end-all be-all of this entire outfit. I kind of just sit here and look pretty and talk and my brother's the one that actually does the hard lifting of the technical aspects. And I see you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Technical maybe maybe one thing, but the the level of detail and interest and um, just fun facts you bring to the show uh, uh, is amazing. And, and I love it for that. And I, it's, it's, there are times where, yes, I may be tired. Yes. I might have a computer crash and we lose like over an hour of episode. Um, but it's always worth it in the end. Amen. Amen. Uh, I love you, man. Love you're you the, too. You're, you're the real person I love out of this whole list. Ah, uh, number Aww. eleven. Yeah, yeah, you're my number eleven. Aww. <laughs> so, man, what are we going to be talking about next month? All right. Well, March we are going to have, um, and this, this again, this will probably be one of those chock a block episodes, and we'll wander all over the place um, because what we're going to be talking about was a big, big, big part of our families and our lives growing up. Um, we're talking Volkswagen memories. Wow, this is going to be so niche. I can't wait. But this is actually going to be really big. Yeah, it is. Um, We were a big Volkswagen family growing up, and um, it kind of permeated every part of our lives for a good long time. So there will be lots to talk about. Very much, very much. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So am I. But before then... You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Blue Box UFO, and you can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. Aye, indeed. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you consume podcasts. Just search If Memory Serves, because we are also on Spotify, and we sound really cool because we're also on Spotify. Um, <laughs> please rate and review us as well, because... No, Word of mouth is awesome. We always appreciate that. Let your friends know, oh my God, we just heard this crazy podcast about this, that, and the other thing. Point us out to your friends. Um, just don't point and laugh. Um, but rating and reviewing us on whatever service you uh, you find us on is always very helpful. We appreciate that. You can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G dot C, the N-O-T-G-L-D. <laughs> Oh boy, I don't know if I'm going to go back to this. Ba-da, ba-da. I know, right? SoundCloud.com slash the N O T L G, and you can get all the shows that are put out on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. Uh, be also sure to check out notlg.spreadshirt.com and get yourself one of our very cool ultra rad if memory serves shirts and please if you can help us out patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g morgan willis does our music you can check him out on facebook search at morgan willis his name's all in caps you can't miss it he's on twitter at morgan willis 82 and check him out as well on soundcloud just search up his name morgan willis well that's it for february yay short month Time to get the sucker edited and start working on notes for next month. Here we go. Thanks, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Good night, folks.
is our uh, is our podcast on Tinder? No. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Do I want to ask if you are? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have a smartphone. Yeah, don't you need point. a smartphone? Good point. You have to swipe right. That's right. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, no swiping swiper. <laughs>